0: Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Ab Cise. Ab has worked with clients such as Universal Records, L'Oreal, Vibe Magazine, and X-Rite, to name a few. Beyond being an accomplished photographer, Ab is also the creative director and executive producer at Mac Group, where he works with brands such as Siconic Meters. In this interview, I speak to Ab about how he discovered photography some of his photographic influences such as Roy D. and I also speak to Ab about how he approaches advertising productions. Ab has a wealth of knowledge and experience in the photo business, so I was grateful to get a chance to speak with him about his journey with photography. So I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, Ab C. Say, welcome to the podcast, man. Long time coming. Excited to talk to you. Um, I guess to start off, man, I was just kind of curious uh, what, what you've been working on lately. Photographically, I know following you on Instagram, you always got stuff you're
1: shooting and always posting stuff. But uh, what are you kind of been working on creatively lately? Oh, man, I say right now I'm pulled in every direction you could possibly you could possibly imagine. I have you know, I do you know, I work with Sakonic. Mm-hmm. And so it's iconic. I, I do a lot of content in terms of, in which, you know, my face is forward. Um, I have this show called The Formula Lighting Show, in which I go over like, you know, a bunch of different lighting setups and allow people to, um, to you know, kind of understand the settings so they could copy them. Um, currently, I'm working on a 12 week lighting course with Fuji. Wow. Um, I'm also creative director and executive producer at the Mac Group. So except for one brand, I oversee content development for all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the side, I, you know, I do a lot of, I guess, which I guess, you know, model portfolios and things like that, which is really my testing ground for like new things that I want to include inside of education um i'm all you know i also get brought on set since covid i probably got brought on set maybe about five different occasions to be lighting director okay which another photographer would bring me on to kind of take care of like all of their lighting
0: i was talking to someone about that recently I, i've been noticing mm-hmm. in the last few years i've been seeing that more and more there's like a lighting tech on set i've do you feel like that that's kind of like a new role that be, becoming more and more common like on commercial shoots because like i mean when i started mm-hmm. 10 12 years ago i never really heard that like title before but it seems that's becoming more and more common it seems like
1: yeah I, I think that it it definitely is you know I think that a lot of really big name photographers have always had someone behind them who's kind of done their lighting for them mm-hmm. meaning like, you know their first assistants were really really talented at lighting as well um and kind of like helped them build different formulas mm-hmm. um and I think now you're getting a lot of younger photographers who really haven't come up assisting hmm um, and therefore they're getting on these larger sets <clears throat> and clients inevitably are going to want things changed. You know, could you make that softer? Could you make that brighter come or they'll send the mood board over and just be like, "Ah, hey, you know, this is my mood board. What, you know, what should I rent? Um, and then by the time you get to the rental list, sometimes it's so big, they're like, um, can you come on set? Or can you recommend someone? Um, because it's, you know, it's a lot, to, it's a lot to manage and in photography, you know, There's kind of this myth, you know, photography never unionized, you know? And so when you have like the film industry, you have like all these different departments. In photography, you kind of have two departments. You have the photographer and then you have who's in charge of like lighting and kind of everything. And then oftentimes you have digital. Yeah. And depending on what digital needs to happen, you know, that kind of be a separate department. But, you know, photography is a wild west, man. You know, it is.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I think you know some people, like uh, maybe some older time guys, they they kind of they, when they hear that like lighting tech, it's like, well, if you can't light your own pictures, then what the hell are you doing? But the more and more I've thought about it, and I've talked about this with some friends, it's it's like mm-hmm. when you think about like a movie or something like like Quentin Tarantino made or whoever, it's it's the same thing. They're they're hiring a guy to do their DP and all these people, and it's really like a team effort. And I think that's why I've been kind of looking at it. It's like however you got to do it like to make it happen like having that team because looking at a lot of your shoots Mm I was looking uh, a bunch of them it it's not just you it's a group of people it's like stylists and all these people that come together to make stuff happen
1: right yeah but it it ranges man meaning you know some shoots it's just me and I we will you know myself and the model will self-style the shoot they'll do their own hair and makeup and that's it um, some shoots, it's a crew of 15 people, 20 mm-hmm. people. Um, do you like that, a- do,
0: having that big crew or do you find it slows you down? Or like, how, how do you enjoy kind of those
1: bigger shoots, I guess? Um, you know, there's always a struggle as a photographer, like the, the struggle between creativity and craftsmanship, mm-hmm. you know? And when you're on set, and this speaks to kind of what we are talking about before, when you when you want to completely be in your creative space, you don't want to have to worry about certain certain parts of craftsmanship as well. You know, when you're when you're photographing people specifically, you want to be so dialed in and focused on that person because nowadays the difference between a good portrait and an exceptional portrait is what you're able to get out of that person. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I if, if it's a good team and it's a big team, I love it. On the production side, it makes things more difficult. You know, there's more meals. There's more people put on a call sheet. If you want to move to a different location, it's like, well, now I got all these people. Um, versus if it's just you, a model, an assistant, a hair and makeup artist, you know, you can fit in a car. You're much more nimble. Yeah. You can, you can make changes. Creative changes are easier. Sometimes you have a smaller crew and with a big crew, it's like a bigger ship, man. It just takes longer to turn, you know?
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. And how's kind of the last year been for you, obviously, with the pandemic and stuff? Um, have you had to like change the way you approach even just shooting your personal work, commercial mm-hmm. work?
1: How's the last kind of 12 months been for you photographically, I guess? Um, it's been wild, man. You know, the first two months, it was definitely like, oh, damn, like, okay, we gotta we gotta completely refigure this out, you know. And so me, I just, you know, I, you know, there's this photographer who, you know, is a photojournalist in Chicago. His name is John White, you know, and he has this term in which he says, you know, stay in flight, you know, and I make sure that like, I stay moving, you know, so I'm never going to just stop and wait to see what's going on around me. I'm going to make sure I'm going to stay in motion. So I, I took a COVID training class, which, you know, at the beginning of this, that was actually something now, you know, it's boiling down more to like common sense and working with safe people. Yep. Um, and so I would say communication has opened up way more um, talking about safety on set, which in photography, on most photo shoots, you know, back in the day on a call sheet, they would put like the closest local hospital, but in terms yeah. of someone actually talking about safety, Unless it was a bigger production that involved stunts or something like that, safety was never something that was commonly discussed, you know? Yeah. Um, and I would say now, you know, I wear a mask all the time. Um, I I do stalk the people I'm gonna be working with to be like, has this person been safe? You know what I'm saying? Like if they've been partying all day. You <laughs> yeah, know what for real. That. yeah. Um and on the on the production side, meaning like if I'm producing a shoot that's where it really becomes a nightmare sometimes because you have to explain to the client what the possibilities are and no one wants to hear that, yeah. you know? So like case in point, let's say we're doing a shoot, let's say the budget is around $30,000 and it's only, and there's only one model, you know? Yeah. You know, I've been telling clients like, look, you know, I know this makeup artist, who's also a model, mm-hmm. So we'll bring in this model because this model is ideal but let's say that model gets COVID on the day of the shoot, then our backup plan is we could use a makeup artist, you know, or, you know, it's, it's, it's been trying to double up on certain roles in terms of having a backup where things get uncomfortable. Um, and then also explain to clients, like, look, we could cancel this. You know, these are, these are what I, what I, what I started telling clients is these are our principles on the shoot, meaning without these people, the shoot doesn't happen and what backup plan do you want to put in place do you want to have people ready to go on the day of and we just pay a cancellation fee um or do we want to double up on set you know
0: and is that something you you've always been natural at this kind of running the show and being able to like deal with clients and um because at the end of the day when you're the photographer you're kind of the director on the shoot everyone's looking for you to make decisions is that something that you're always good at this kind of dealing with
1: people or do you feel like you kind of got stronger at the longer you kind of worked in this business i guess man, I learned something new every single week. Yeah. Um, Because communication, you know, the most important part about communication is it's not about what you say it's about what other people hear, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think the younger you are, you become more frustrated at other people when you're really mad at yourself, because they heard something completely different than what you said, but you thought it was their responsibility in order to understand you, which it is, you know, but when you're a photographer and you're charged with getting a job done, mm-hmm. um, making sure like communication is clear is, is always very, very important. And, you know, early on in my career, I so when I graduated college um, and, you know, nowadays you hear a lot of people talking about, well, you know, the gear doesn't matter. The gear is not going to get you a shoot and stuff like that. Man, when I graduated college, that wasn't true. Yeah, meaning clients were like, "Hey, we need someone who's shooting medium format, need, we the need the RZ, in four need by the five. Hasselblad, whatever." Exactly. <laughs> it was a big part of, it. and back in the day, I mean, that equipment, you know, that's a thirty thousand dollars kit, you know, mm-hmm. or like the first thing clients would ask you back in the day is, "Do you have a studio?" Yeah, you know, um, and so, and and the good part was back then, you were making twenty five hundred dollars a day, and that was undercutting the competition. Yeah, you know, the twenty five hundred dollars a day. In, 19, in 2000, today is equivalent to like the $500 sheet, mm-hmm. you know? And so, I, you know, to, to answer your question, I think I've gotten better and better at better at managing communication. Um, but anytime somebody says they've mastered something, you know, they're probably digressing at that point, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I think you need to master learning and then you just need to keep on the path of learning, you know, I and I think that ultimately is mastery because then you could teach other people. But when you think you have something figured out in this industry, that's when you're not going to be working in the next two years.
0: Yeah, that's what I appreciate about appreciate about your work, man, and follow along with you on Instagram. And I'll, I'll link it uh, when we end this and then people can go check out your Instagram and everything. But mm-hmm. you seem like you you adapt to new technologies. You're not afraid to try stuff. Like I think last week you were on Twitch uh, doing some like live stream thing and yep. you do doing all this YouTube content. Whereas like a lot of people, uh, they kind of maybe get stuck in their ways, but it seems for you, you're you're open to trying new things and new technology that kind of come your way, right?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah. I think, you know, the biggest part of photography today is I think people get too stuck in tradition. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, man, I am... I am very much a traditional photographer at heart. You know, a lot of my friends are more fine artists than they are commercial photographers. So oftentimes I'm seen as the one kind of selling out, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't see it that way just because it's... And, and you know, and and to talk about something you talked about earlier where photographers are like, um, well, you need to be able to light it yourself. You need to be able to do this yourself. Yes and no. You know, meaning at the end of the day, there's a result, right? And that result is a picture, right? And if someone is commissioning that picture or has preconceived what that picture should be, if it's executed properly at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you get there, Yeah, you know? And, you know, if you need to bring someone else in to light it for you, then, you know, talk to those same photographers, like, oh, you gotta be able to light it yourself, do this yourself. You know, when they get their first director gig and it's like, OK, we need to light up this entire city street. And they're like a condor. What's that? Is that a bird? We bringing birds on this set. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, no, you're going to call in help you yeah. know? And on, on a photo shoot. It's like how many people have set up a menace arm in their life? Maybe not that many. You want to maybe want to bring someone in so you don't drop a light on someone's head, you know? Mm-hmm
0: yeah definitely and like obviously you've been in the business a long time like you're saying when you started off like people were asking like what was your kid do you have a studio mm-hmm. and with now the barrier to entry to photography is a lot easier you can go to best buy buy a decent like digital camera or whatever and you're in the game and pop on some youtube how how do you think as a photographer these days with so much competition how do you set yourself apart and how do you uh, find clients and kind of set yourself apart, like I'm saying, in this day and age, you think?
1: Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm one of those who's like more about feast and famine. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think there's that much competition. Really? Yeah, I, I think that... Um, so so let me... I have, to, I have to break that statement out just yeah. because it is... Um, a lot of people are going to say, wait a minute, there's way more photographers today than there were yesterday, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and I think once you think of what lane you're in ultimately, then all of that changes. And, you know, what, people who are thinking like, okay, there's too much competition. There's, there's always a small group of people who are getting a certain type of work, yep. you know? And the clients who are willing to go out on a limb and do a shoot for free, and just kind of wing it. I don't see those as my clients. So people chasing that work, I don't see it as my competition. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, you know, I spent 20 years building up a lot of relationships, a lot of word of mouth. And I, you know, I think, I I think my state, if I was to retract my original statement, what what I would say is that my mindset ultimately doesn't think like I'm competing against other people. I think that, you know, there's, there's the population has grown. There's more people who want to be shot. Everybody wants content Mm -hmm. and you just have to know how to sell it differently because the opportunity is different, you know? um definitely i think because you see so much stuff on instagram and there's like
0: there's almost like a style of like instagram like whatever influencer type photography there's like these new mm-hmm. there, it's almost like its own lane now yep. and the, like the type of stuff i do and you do is like working with like agencies or companies brands it's it's very two different lanes and it's like i would imagine the clients are hiring you it's it's half obviously your work's great but it's more you understand the process of like working with the brand and putting a production together versus like having some cool looking picture on your Instagram, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. It's, um, shoot, this is, this is actually a crazy call. Can I take it really quick? Yeah, yeah, no problem. I will, I'll you can leave, it's actually, no, you can keep it going. It's actually Kwaku. Oh shit. Kwaku. What's up, man?
0: Yeah. The thing we were just talking about how this kind of, your approach to this kind of view and competition and how you kind mm-hmm. of differentiate yourself from other people. But it seems like your mindset is you don't really worry about that too much. You just kind of focus on what you're doing kind of pretty
1: much. Yeah. You're, 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 your own competition. Yeah. If, if you're not the one creating opportunities for yourself, then you're the one hurting yourself the most. Yeah. Um And yeah, there are times where I'm thinking like, man, I'm competing against this photographer. I'm trying to do this type of photography. And ultimately it's just like, man, I'm really, I'm really competing about myself. Like I just need to, I need to create the work. I need to understand the market, and not have expectations that that market doesn't currently support. You know, yeah. um, and so yeah, it's it's uh yeah, man. I think I think ultimately people are their their own worst enemy when it comes to that, man. And you know, you just have to keep like pushing.
0: You know? Yeah, definitely. I just try to mind myself. Yeah, I can't, don't worry about what other people are doing. The only thing I can control is my effort, my output, and working on my own stuff. And all the other stuff is this, whatever. It's not, it's a waste of time thinking about it pretty much. That's how yeah. I, I kind of view it, you know?
1: I mean, I do see shoots from people like, damn, you know, <laughs> oh, like, I don't know. But like, <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about like, you know, how do I, you know, like my Instagram is really designed about like showing people different lighting techniques. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to stay in one lane, I show a little bit of everything on there. You know, and then I, you know, I see you see like Art Striver's Instagram. You are like, man, the way he works the behind the scenes in there is just dope. You know what I am saying? <laughs> yeah. And man. then you, st- and so like, let me take a piece of that, and then yeah, that's yeah, like ins- Inspiration, up- it's good. Absolutely. Um, but I guess to go back, like, mm-hmm. how, how where do you kind of grow up, and like, how do you kind of initially get into photography? Oh man, so I I was born in Canada, um, grew up in Chicago. Um, when I was in high school, man, I was bad.
0: Oh yeah. Skipping school, all
1: that. (laughs) Yeah. It's not skipping school. Just doing what I wanted to do in school, you know? (laughs) Um, And in my head, everything would just always work out, you know? And so like, and I got lucky because my father, he actually worked at a university. And so I was just like, i do whatever I want to do. And then at some point I'll just go to university. My father's working at, and that'll work out. And then when I got to college, it was, you know, I started studying computer science and I was just like, all right, I don't know if I really want to do this, you know? And I was hearing about the jobs friends were getting. And it was like, yeah, I'm working on a compiler for the cell phone. And I'm like, really? And they're like, oh yeah, I'm working on this. This algorithm is going to be used inside of this new microphone. And you're just like, uh. you know, and, and you're just sitting there like, I don't, I don't want to do, you know, I'm, I'm working on this. Yeah. You know, you're just like, I don't want to do that. Like, yeah, I want to do video games. I want to write the new Adobe Photoshop. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I started getting into graphic design. Cause I feel like back in the day, if you were technical, then like computer graphics were often part of it. And then I was like, man, I also want to start taking my own pictures. So I started studying grap- graph design and started doing my own photography. And then, then my first photography course was with a photography professor, Robin Shorts. Um, who's also an amazing photographer. You should have her on here. Yeah, I'll um, write that down. She's, she's dope. And she really challenged me, you know, um, and really, really built my passion for photography. You know, and I started off kind of like doing more photojournalism, but at the same time, I was doing a lot of studio work. Mm-hmm. At the same time, trying to work with like, you know, a lot of up and coming rap artists. Like, you know, I remember I was doing something for like P. Diddy's Barber or whatever, you know, Puffy's Barber back in the day. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. And he was like, oh, man, you know, you do this this website and this photo shoot for me and I'll, I'll hook you up with Puffy. And that that never happened. You know what I'm saying? Like those <laughs> yeah. are those are the promises you used to get in 1999.
0: Yeah. Um, what, what, what were there like any early influences to your work? Like when you're kind of first starting out, were there like any photographers like you kind of um, got inspiration from or anything like that, you think?
1: Oh, man. I mean. I guess I look at inspiration when it, when it comes to what inspires my work, I say, I look, I pretty much look everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. especially now at Instagram. But back in the day, you know, there was a photographer, Roy DeCarava. Oh yeah. Legend. And between me and you, I think his book sweet flop paper of life is probably the best photo book ever created. Yeah. Um, and then Avidon, Avedon's book, the sixties.
0: What is it about that uh, book that kind of
1: inspired you? You think, you know, I, I think that, um, so I, you know, I'm going to be judgmental for a moment, but, you know, someone could call me on a lot of things as well. I think when people are, are photographing, um, they, they, they kind of turn into like anthropologists, you know, mm-hmm. when you go into a community and you're, you know, like you've seen everyone, they go to India and they're photographing all these people on the street, you know, yeah. or you see people go to Africa and they're photographing, you know, all these people. In Africa, you know, and they're, you know, it, it's no different to me than like a fashion image, you know. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's like this anthropological, like put them here, photograph them, document this thing. They're kind of they're
0: they're parachuting in and not really like uh, engaging with
1: people and spending as much time as they should. Kind of correct. It's it's you know I, and and Roy De you know his his work he was there, you know, meaning it almost looks like you're flipping through like a family photo album. There's not this huge disconnection between the photographer and the work. You know what I'm saying? And, and the work was just so good. man. Yeah. like that. And, and the thing I like about the book, which I, I didn't like about the book when I first got it, just cause, you know, you want to see these pictures as big as possible is, you know, the, the book is small, it's very modest, you know, and when you read it, you know, you know, because Langston Hughes, you know, wrote, wrote it, it, it's just a beautiful thing, man. And I think that, you know, every photographer should be looked to be inspired by stuff like that, you know? And, and, you know, one of the things I battle with is like, but I, you know, I don't want to jump ahead too far. No, it's fine. But, uh, you know, one of the things I battle with is like, oh man, should I be creating more work like that? That's you know, socially responsible. It really looks inside of a community that makes people feel more, you know? And what I realized is those moments are going to come if you keep your eyes open, mm-hmm. but we're not always living a lifestyle in which we can we can hunt for that. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Meaning like right now, you know, I'm shooting fashion images. I'm shooting pretty girls. I'm shooting people who are working out you know, unbeknownst to a lot of people, you know, I came up shooting a ton of still life, you know, I mean, I probably have 30,000 hours of still life photography. Wow. You know, know, I mean, I was shooting back for, you know, back in the day, I was shooting all the product images for ProPhoto, Mamiya, Leaf, um, Temba, um, Pocket Wizards, Conic. I mean, I was doing product photography like it was you know, I mean, literally twenty four hours a day. You know, yeah. Um, and and I think that in terms of like my creative side, right now I'm kind of focusing on the craftsmanship, and it's fun. You mm-hmm. know, and working with different people, discovering new things, and I think every once in a while you're gonna find that moment where you start to build those images that are gonna like one day become your opus. You know, um, like hey, I you can't, never, you hmm? can't really force it. He's kind of just got let, this
0: kind of follow your path and like stuff will kind of come your way. Cause it's like, I I struggle with that too. Like I've definitely had times where like I tried to force some photo to happen and it just didn't really
1: work out, you know? Yeah. And most of those pictures between me and you, they're on my iPhone. Yeah. You know, I remember like, I remember when my, when my parents died, my, my sister was writing, she was writing a eulogy. And I remember she was at the kitchen table. She was framed out by this window. It was like framed by like this wallpaper and like the vertical lines kind of looked like bars. And I remember I put my cell phone up and took a picture and that's one of my favorite pictures. Wow. You know, another one, I was babysitting my nephew and you know, I was like that. I was the fun uncle, but then when I got tired, I was like the mean uncle, you know? <laughs> and they were like, you know, I wanted, you know, they, they wanted their milk before they went to bed. So I was like, you know, we'll hurry up and drink it. Like, you know, hurry up. <laughs> and so the youngest one, you know, he just started drinking it. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. He's putting it down. He looked at me, he burped, and he threw up everywhere. <laughs> and I pulled my phone out and I took a picture of my nephew covered in throw up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's just like you know, slowly but surely, those pictures are my favorite images. And yeah, if I had a camera on me as myself all the time, I could have taken them. Mm-hmm. Um, but with my phone, I'll be honest, people don't even know that I have them. And these are some of like the images that i'm i'm happiest with
0: you know definitely for sure um and i guess like when you got out of when you got out of college like mm-hmm. what was kind of your first step like at that point did you know you kind of wanted to pursue a career in like professional photography or what was kind of
1: your first step into the photo industry per se i guess oh man so this this is a you cut me off this is a long answer you <laughs> know good, to we're, we're here to talk <laughs> all right man like so when i was in school I took on an internship at the Mac Group, you know, and I remember I wanted to go to school even less. So I asked him, you know, I was it was a job, but I, I asked my boss, I was like, man, can I just make this an internship? And for people listening, what is the Mac Group? If, maybe if they haven't
0: heard of it before.
1: Oh, the Mac Group, you know, stands from the MIA America Corporation, and they are a marketing and photography distribution company in the United States. that's represented brands from. You know, right now we represent, you know, Benro tripods, Enduro tripods, Photo, Temba bags, Nanlite lighting, Chrome, Sakonic, uh, um, Shimoda bags, X-Rite. Um, All the good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we represent like 25 different lines right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like, how did, you, how did you kind of start interning with them? How did that kind of come about for you? Uh, one of my, so it was right after 9-11, like the economy tanked. And they were getting all of their photography done um, at this one studio called freeze frame studios. That was out in New Jersey. You know, it, it feels better telling you stories when it's 20 years ago. Cause then, you know, it's like, you, who knows if these people are still, even yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. So you feel like you can name names, you know? <laughs> and so my friend, Margaret McGill, who when I was going to school with was like, Hey, you know, she's like, do you still, are you still doing web design? And at the time I still had like my own web design company. This was before um, you know, everything was kind of hand coded, and you know, I was still kind of nice in terms of you know, understanding like Flash, Macromedia Director. You know, I could hand code like Pearl, Java, and you know, a few other things. Damn, you really have dabbled in everything, Abe. Ab. You've you gotta stay in motion, man. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you go off the path to get right back on it, you know. Yeah. Um, and she was like, So I did Leaf America's first website, um, way back way back in probably 2001. Mm-hmm. And then they knew I could do photography too. So then I started shooting photography and this is, you know, this is all on film, you know? And so then, you know, I was there freelance and I would, you know, they gave me a schedule working around my existing schedule. Um, at the same time, I was also moonlighting at Sun Studios in Manhattan, um, which was like, so Danny, we took from Sun Studios invented the photo studio market. Wow. him and this guy olek from trek in new york city you know they pretty much are the ones who kind of um you know got you know started the whole rental equipment thing in the photo industry and the whole rental studio you know these boutique rental studios yeah so i was doing his website in trade to be able to use a studio whenever i wanted for like bigger productions um as like a value add to certain clients and then at the mac group you know, I made a deal with them to work off a of RZ 67 and like, you know, three acute packs and like, you know, six acute heads or something like that. And this um, is all while you're in school too. Yeah, yeah. So I would literally go to school, leave, go to work and you know, everything just, just, I work 24 hours a day. Mm. No, just, that's,
0: just, that's amazing. And like at that point, like did you have like a goal in mind for like the type of work you wanted to shoot or like what was kind of going through your mind? Cause it seems like you're kind of doing a lot of stuff. You're doing web design. You're working with Mac group. Like, how are you kind of navigating? Like what you, was there a goal or anything like that? You think
1: in my head, I always wanted to kind of be doing like, you know, portraiture and like photo documentary work, you know? Um, But in my reality, again, at that time, you know, commercially, there was so much money, you know? Um, And so like one of my clients was like the largest flooring distributor in the United States at the time, this company Hoboken Floors. And so I was, I would, like I cleared out my basement. I made a little studio and I would be laying down flooring in my basement, doing product shots for them, um, as well as doing some shots on location. I was shooting skin peels for L'Oreal which like the before and after images, like they wanted a perfectly set up lighting setup so that it wasn't like, you know, the before and after where the before was like with someone like some horrible light. And then the after was this beautiful light. Mm-hmm. Um, doing, I was doing everything I was doing for Mac group. There was a, a design agency, Sunspots Creative, where I was doing a lot of photography for their clients. Um, and then I had my own studio in Hoboken, which everybody told me not to do. That it would be a waste of money but I was like, man, people keep asking, like, do you have your own studio? So I was like, yeah, I got, you know, I got a studio of 49 Harrison street in Hoboken, New Jersey. And it was the most dilapidated rundown studio you've ever seen. Yeah. And then that brought like a lot of up and coming like rappers and artists that would come through, you know? And yeah, I was just all over the place, man. It, 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 it's a little bit of a blur, but it's not because I, did, I didn't have time to kind of play around. It was just like work all the time. You know? and were
0: you just fine for your clients you were working with? Was this kind of word of mouth at that point? Or were you doing anything like kind of sh- to market your work? Or how were you kind of
1: fr- finding some of your first clients back then? Uh, both. So in terms of word of mouth, like when I went to school, you know, a lot of those relationships since I was in the art department, you know, like when my friend Dana, she went to go work with this company called Spiral Bindings, you know, like, you know, and. The, the company that makes like just the little bindings of like all those little spiral folders and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I would do all their photography for their annual, annual reports. Um, people in the music department, you know, some people started doing good and they'd recommend me. So, you know, word of mouth was a big part of it, you know, um, and then being tied into like the New York studio crowd as well. Every once in a while, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, Ab could do that. And, you know, it, it yeah, word, word of mouth definitely definitely kept me busy but you know back then you know you had MySpace and all these other things that you were always like showing work on and communicating to people with and yeah i, I can't think of you know the work was always coming so i can't really think of like hey that's a good that's a good that's a good thing to have have mm-hmm. man <laughs> and uh
0: when you got out of school you kind of did you end up just going straight to working with mac group full time or what did you kind of do once you got out
1: yeah i, I negotiated with i went i went to work with my group full-time and you know kind of still doing what i was doing Um, when i was working on my college thesis project a lot of my teachers were like look you graduated already like just just get out of here you know and i even worked out with my thesis professor i was like man i don't have time to like write a paper but like he did furniture design i was like i'll do all the photography for your furniture company like in a weekend if i don't have to write a thesis paper and he was like cool <laughs> so then i went and i did all i did a photo shoot of like all his furniture and it got me out of having to write a thesis paper, which uh, I'm still horribly grateful for. Wheeling
0: know? and dealing, man. I like it. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, and what were you kind of doing with Mac Group, like when you first started working there? And how has that uh, business changed? You've been there, I think, almost like 20 years. How, yeah. how has that kind of business and industry changed a lot since you kind of started there?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's gone from a lot of small boxes with really expensive products to a lot of bigger boxes with less expensive products, Mm -hmm. you know, meaning, you know, back in the day when you're sending cameras, lenses, digital backs, these things are super expensive and have a huge amount of profit built into them. And, you know, our warehouse back then was probably... And when I started, it was probably one of what our warehouse is today. Wow. You know, and, you know, the business is still good, but it's definitely completely different. Advertising, advertising is completely different. Marketing, completely different. Influencers back then, you know, that was only good part. Back then, the only influencers were Annie Leibovitz. Um, Norman Jean Roy. This was when, like you know when Legends. Kwaku was coming up, yeah. After Jordan Smith was coming up. Like you know, all the influencers, like big names. You know, Mary Ellen Mark. You know, who I've had the pleasure of, of doing a shoot with. Um, yeah, well, man. That, that,
0: you, you assisted Mary Ellen Mark, or how would you kind of help her with?
1: So it's a funny story if you have a minute. Yeah, um, man, man. I want any Mary Ellen Mark, <laughs> sir, I'll take it, man. All right, and it's actually a really good one. I was I was working with Photo at the time. And I worked on this series of videos called the Pro Photo Master Series. Um, and so, you know, for Pro Photo Master Series, we had Gary Land, Jeremy Cowart, Matthew Jordan Smith, Kareem Black. Um, What's the one dude? He, worked, he lives in like Syracuse
0: now. Uh, legend. You guys did a whole bunch of videos. He has glasses, always wears like a bow
1: tie. Greg Heisler. Yeah. He did a yeah. great series with Pro Photo. Yeah. So I directed all those. Um, and then it was like okay now you want to do something with Mary Ellen Mark you know so you know cliff Hausner, who you know was really good friends with Mary Ellen Mark and negotiated a deal where we would do the behind the scenes of like her shooting with like a pro photo a cute b you know and she used everything she used brown color she used pro photos she she only shot film and just did what she needed to do to get the job done you know yeah. And so we went and met with her in her studio and her studio, first of all is wallpapered with some of the most beautiful, most historically relevant, like images ever, you know? So like, you know, you're looking at at her walls and you see, you know, original photographs from, man, I can't even name the names, but basically every legendary photographer who's ever lived up until that point. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the walls in her studio must have been worth a million dollars just in photography, you know? Crazy. Um, And I remember all the prints were just butted up right next to each other. It's like, boom, here's a print of, you know, Martin Luther King right next to a print of, um, uh, you know, Kennedy's or like, it was just like, and then just, you know, famous art pictures. It was just, you know, it was, it was a museum, you know? And so we were talking about, okay, what can we shoot? Because she was like, you know, basically I'm not shooting any bullshit. Like if I shoot, I'm going to shoot what I shoot. You know, she's not going like, to she's not going to be cheesing with the the cute pack and doing no. like, <laughs> no, it's not like, Oh, we're not hiring a model. She's like, yeah, we're yeah, gonna go. yeah. and so she wanted to shoot the, the West Indian day parade, you know? And well, let me back up a little bit. So, you know, as we're going through this whole process, you can tell she's kind of like feeling out everyone in the room and she's very much like kind of, you know, she knows cliff and she sees me and this other gentleman from Profoto there kind of is like, you know, the, the you know, the marketing people, you know, yeah. the corporate marketing people. Um, and I remember there was like one comment and I could, and, you know, before she really got to fill me out, there was one comment from someone else in the room and which kind of made her think that we didn't know who she was, you know, Yeah. And no, I could be blunt. The other photographers who we are working with who are unbelievable in their own right. You know, the fact that they were more commercial, she just saw herself on a completely different playing field, you know, and didn't want to be part of. And and this I'm assuming, but wanted something that Mm -hmm. elevated her based upon who she is, which she had every right to, to do, you know, and so I can tell she was like, well, who's going to interview me? And of course I was going to be the one who was going to interview her, but I could tell that was like, I hope this dude ain't interviewing me, you know, oh, like yes. I need someone who's on my level interviewing me, you know? And so then we're kind of doing the scramble because I was like, well, we don't have a lot of budget. Like who are we going to call? Like who do we know who knows Mary Ellen Mark who to interview. And so, you know, staying light on our feet, like we kind of incorporate her husband, like, you know, one thing we thought be really cool is if, you know, maybe your, your husband, Martin, interviewed you, you know, who's a, he's a brilliant filmmaker in his own right, you yeah. know. And so fast forward she's you know, we kind of got that worked out. And she was like, OK, let's let's shoot the West Indian Day Parade. And I'm producing a shoot and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to get releases at the West Indian Day Parade, you know, because Photo, you know, their stipulations, whatever she does, we need to be able to run it in the ad, yeah. you know. And so, you know, we're bouncing around all these ideas and she's like, you know, what, we could shoot the Thompson square park dog Halloween costume contest. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I, that I feel like we could get releases. Like it's more about the dogs and the people Their dogs going to be dressed up. They're going to all want photographs and she's known within that community because she does it every year. So it's like, all right, we got an easy win here. So like I hired actually cliff Hausner's daughter, Jesse, who's like the sweetest redhead you ever met in your life who could get a model release from, like, anyone. You know what I'm saying? Like, she walks up to you and you just think, like, she's going to sell you, like, fresh-baked bread and cupcakes, <laughs> you know? And so, like, she just walked up to people. They're automatically, oh, you know, me. Me walking around 6'1", black, 300-something pounds. Like, can I get a release? You know? Like, man, what you going to do with my picture, you know? So she literally mopped up about 70 model releases that day. Wow. Um, and Mary Ellen Mark, she shot so much, that the the entire crew couldn't keep up Damn. and she did when i she didn't like she would turn around like shit am i sitting in piss oh fuck it and just kept shooting was you know she, what i'm saying was but, she
0: shooting eight by ten or what was she shooting with that
1: stuff uh, i think i believe she was shooting a leica okay yeah and then you know that and, and they were just like hand holding like the light kind of like hollywooding it above like you know whether it was a big or like a little dog Mm-hmm. Um, yeah man and she just killed it and no actually no she was shooting with me a seven because I remember halfway through the shoot she's like I'm running out of film and you need to find me more film and I was just like damn so I'm calling around and this is you know film wasn't that easy to find in New York on a on a Saturday Yeah, you know and so I'm calling all these places and they're like oh it closed or we don't have film or try this and I remember I went to K&M and m Tribeca ended up sending someone down there in a cab with a credit card to grab all the film that they had um and bring and because she i can't remember what film she wanted to shoot she was really particular um maybe it was trix 400 120 yeah um and they just didn't have that much at the time and you know we bought all that out because this when things were transferring over to digital and Uh, she just dude she just never seen someone that focused man like she just killed it you
0: know yeah no, that's an amazing story, man. And I really appreciated those videos, the pro photo ones. Cause what were, what were they called? The series called it was like the master-, master Series. Yeah. Yeah. Because when those came out, I think I was like in college or something. And that was like like early days of YouTube when those were coming out and there wasn't as much content and like educational videos. And I remember I watched all those videos like a million times, like the one with Gary and Greg, and they were great. And I know you've gone on to do a bunch of stuff with like Adorama. I know you're doing like the educational stuff with like Sakonic. Have you always kind of enjoyed
1: kind of doing the educational aspect and making those kind of videos and stuff? Yeah, man. I I believe our industry only gets better if everybody gives back. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, you know, in the early days, man, you had a lot of people who really weren't, you know, and, you know, it was no one really showed the behind the scenes. No one wanted to show the tricks, yeah. you know? Um, and I remember, you know, it really took off like when creative live started, you know, and that photographer like Chase Jarvis was like showing like the behind the scenes of all of his shoots mm-hmm. and people were starting to learn like, oh, this is how professionals work. This is what equipment they use, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like now our industry, I feel like the better we make people in our industry, it will show people that they can't just do it themselves and they'll be better if they find someone to help elevate them. Mm -hmm. And so why not teach people? Because the reality is you and I know some people just are not going to have the stamina to stay in this as long as you need to stay in this in order to have a career.
0: Yeah, I think there's, yeah. I've had
1: this conversation. I think there's two different types of people.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like, like there's nothing else I can do. Like I'm addicted to this. I can't quit. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I, the thought of like doing something else. Like I, I don't know what I would do. Like I just, this is what, at least for me, I don't know if it's you, this is like, this is what I get enjoyment from in life is photography. And yeah, for sure. As you know, this business, there's a lot of ups and downs, but like, I don't know. I think it's either you're there all the way in or not. There's not really a kind of half step in this
1: business pretty much oh man you just Alex you just nailed it you know there's <laughs> what was that movie was it Gattaca or something like that oh yeah, Lich, yeah and and you know they were racing and then the guy looked at him like man how'd you beat me and he was like I didn't leave anything for the way back yeah that was the call yeah yeah, yeah. you know or you know I used to work with this one art director who like when the shoot would start he was like everybody burn the ships because we're not going back yeah you know and I think ultimately you, there's no, you know, I talked to one of my friends, Nelson, who's a professor over at CCA in California mm-hmm. and who you should also interview, super talented photographer and teacher, Nelson Chan. And there's no plan B, man. No. There's no, there is no plan B. I'm not even thinking about, well, I could become an accountant or I could do this or I could do that. Like there's so many different pockets within this industry of, you know, image making, man. there's There's no plan B. This is what I do. You know. Yeah, it's a uh, strap in, and bu- buckle up, enjoy the ride.
0: It's because uh, it can be, as you know, the highest of highs, sometimes lowest of lows when you don't know the next check's coming. But I, mm. I enjoy that the excitement. And I always just remind myself because sometimes people will complain like, oh, I'm only making like 400 or 500 bucks on this shoot or something. And mm. I always just remind myself, man, I remember working at like warehouses or like retail stores or a restaurant. And you'd have to work 40 hours a week to walk home with like 400 bucks, you know? So like make I was making five hundred dollars from one little portrait shoot. I'm like, I'm still I'm like I'm pumped. Like obviously I want to make more, but it's still I try to just keep my keep my mind frame like that. Man, I still shoot for free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. You Most know. of the stuff on my website is the stuff I shot for myself.
1: Yeah. yeah, man. This is photography, it's not like riding a bike, man. Nah. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't put it down, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how have things been for you during COVID, man? What you been
0: Honestly, like not, not as bad as I thought it would be. Like I've been, I've been doing a lot more pitching than I ever have. And I've gotten some work that way. Um, some different publications that were good and like mm. worked some commercial stuff and uh, yeah, keeping it going. Luckily a uh, knock on wood, not as bad as I thought it would be, but you know, this, I, like I was going back to, what I said, I only thing that controls my effort and output and that's all I can do on a
1: day-to-day basis, you know? Yeah, man, it's it's and it gets hard, man. You know, you gotta. Yeah, I'll be honest, man. Your your podcast is motivating, man. Like it's when I I remember we were we were doing a shoot out in Long Island City and we were going through like trying to find a photography podcast. I saw Photo Banter, and then me and my assistant we just started listening. Well, not really assistant. He's a studio manager back at the Mac Group. Mm -hmm. We were just listening, like, damn, like finally, you know, we. (laughs) we started with like the, the, the interview deal with like Kareem black. Yep. And then ever since then, man, it's just been like, you just been dropping treats on us. (laughs) I'm trying to man. It's really, it's, it's, as much
0: for other people as for myself just to like this. Cause a lot of the questions I ask is this like, like, how do you deal with the ups and downs of the business? Cause like when you look at like someone like Art Stryber or Platon, it's mm easy to like where they're at now, but it's like, how did you like, like we were saying, like, keep going Mm because it's like how do you reach that level and that's always just kind of been the thing that has been like intriguing to me because i think it's just all it's like controlling your mind i feel like it's more important than any like technical thing just to kind of keep going like we're saying you know yeah are you you familiar with the artist
1: bill withers oh yeah man the great musician so you know bill withers did this documentary called still bill Mm -hmm. you know And in that documentary, you know, and and it's about how Bill Withers kind of got out of doing music, you know, and it's like, why at the top of your game would you get out, you know? Yep. And he had this quote in the documentary. He said, you know what? On the way to amazing, you're going to pass all right. Mm -hmm. And when you get to all right, you better take a good look around because you may actually want to stay there. And I'm just kind of paraphrasing. And I think that everybody in their mind's eye has this thought of amazing yeah based upon somebody else's amazing mm-hmm. you know and i think the the more mature you get ultimately you realize what's amazing to you um and that becomes kind of like the all right meaning like i feel like what bill withers was saying is like you are looking to have to have someone else's career not knowing the gem of a career that you could have yourself 100
0: and you'll never you know? have the other person's career because like yeah it's yeah and more now more never it's like it's easy to do that with social media is like compare yourself to other people but it's like like your path my path that is completely different and it's
1: you can never replicate what someone else has done yeah i, I remember i was when i was interviewing greg heisler man. i was some of these interviews like the. I wish I could just show the full interview, like the full Greg Heiser interview, the full Mary Ellen Mark interview that has all treats. I remember Greg Heiser said, he was like, when I was coming up in photography, I'm like, man, how come I'm not getting the two month job in the Amazon? yeah, Or in, you know, in Thailand somewhere to work on this project, you know? Yep. He's like, you know, when I started photography, it was just like, oh, you know, we'll fly you to Africa for a week. To do this project. And now it's like, you know, just doing an interview with Kwaku the other day, you know, he flew to South Africa to do a three minute, a five minute shoot with Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so that part has just changed and our industry is going to continue to change. Like everybody upset at a lot of young photographers coming up right now who technically aren't that sound um but have a way of still making amazing images and they're just like well this person shouldn't be doing that or this person shouldn't be doing this and it's like well that person's doing what they're doing because they're actually focused on something that you're not yeah they're focused on the idea they're focused on the lifestyle they're focused on how they're going to make people feel yeah and you're just focused on your lighting and all these things need to play together you know, and if you keep focus, if you focus on all of them, you know, you'll, you'll be able to have like a wider orbit, you know, and you'll be able to see more. So when the opportunity comes, you know, you'll be able to dive in where other people may be like, well, shoot, I have a great idea for that shoot, but I don't think I could actually pull it off. So I'm not going to go after the job. Mm. And then you have other people who are just like, hell, I'm gonna go after the job and see what happens. Yeah, you know? definitely. <laughs> And then you have other people who are like, well, I could execute that job. I could do that. But it's just like, well, you can't get these five celebrities to sit in front of you and actually pay attention or care, mm-hmm. you know, because you haven't done all this other work leading up to it, you know? And so it's like you, everybody thinks they could do what someone else did. But like, if you listen to Greg Heisler and a lot of his stories, you know, you know, there's one video that we didn't release, which was um, he shot Yasser Arafat. Yep. And Greg said, you know, he flew and he waited. in like two days
0: or something, I think, right?
1: Yeah. Didn't know. Didn't. Oh, no, we did release it, but we didn't. We waited a while before we released it. And he when he showed up to shoot him, he showed up with a view camera. Yep. And Yasser Arafat, all his, his guard dropped. He felt like he was working with someone who cared about the image. He was able to have more time with him than let's say someone else who just showed up from a newspaper. I shouldn't say that because very talented photographers in newspapers, but someone who just showed up, um, who felt like they were doing a job versus, you know, really showing who this person was, you know, Mm. and there's very few people who could pull that off, you know, Kwaku going to shoot Nelson Mandela there's you know at the end it, you know he shows up with all these lights and boom Nelson Mandela's like hey I don't I don't use lights because I have sensitive eyes you know I need you to use whatever available lights here there's not a lot of people who could transition at a moment's notice like that you know after getting off a 36-hour flight you know yeah and that's that's the skill that's the skill like sure the,
0: the picture in the magazine you're a lot of people you look at and be like yeah i could do that but you don't understand all the stuff going on behind the scenes yes. and all the people like you guys interviewed gary land who yep. i've had on a couple of times and for me for me like i got to assist from when i got out of college and mm-hmm. some other great photographers and the guys in my mind that were always successful and working yeah their mm-hmm. work was great but more than anything their ability to communicate and talk to people, be it their subjects or their clients. It was just, there was just like a confidence they have. And I, I always just took away, like, that was the real skill. Obviously, yep. yeah, they know lighting, but what set them really apart and got them hired was that they had the ability to talk to people better than other photographers, I think.
1: Yeah, and even working with Gary, man, when you're in a room with Gary, you feel like whatever you're working on is some cool shit. Yeah, he has that like presence. Yeah, you're like you're just like man. I'm doing some cool shit right now. Like, <laughs> this is, you know, like, you're right. Is you're right. walking down the street with Gary Land and you hear Shaft in the background. Like Dum-dum-dum. you know what I'm saying? Like this shit must be cool. You know? So yeah. No, I I get it, man. People don't realize it's the it's you know I I feel like it plagues a lot of industries. You know, like model modeling industries and you know I I can't you know Instagram is filled with models complaining. Oh, people say I'm too short. People say I'm too this. People say I'm too that. You know? Yeah. I tell, you know, I get a lot of models asking like, oh, what does it take to be a model? And I'm just like, look, it all depends on how you can make someone feel. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can make someone feel good, you could do anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And there's Uh, different, of course, there's different levels to that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Definitely,
0: (laughs) definitely. Um, Speaking of models, I know looking at your work, you do a lot of fashion work. Um, Mm -hmm. Has that always been something that kind of interests you? And like, what is it about the kind of the fashion work you enjoy
1: working on? Well, you know, I think that growing up, you're always thinking like, okay, I'm gonna become a fashion photographer. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna become a fashion photographer, and then you start doing some fashion shoots. You start understanding that world, and you realize it's just like, okay, maybe I'm not gonna become a fashion photographer. But the cool thing about fashion is that, in terms of lighting, because I have a real passion for lighting, mm-hmm. man, you can get away with anything. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, in 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 a fashion image, like, you can really you can, you can really basically say, you know what, I'm going to do art for the sake of doing art. Like this image could be meaningless. It's just going to look really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the journey of getting there is just fun. I mean, if you're working with like a good team, beautiful people, everyone feels good. The image pops up. Everyone feels as though they've contributed, man, there's just something there, you know, but there's the flip side of the fashion world where it's like, Oh, that button is crooked. We need to fix that. Oh, this needs to be this. This needs to be that. There, there is a very highly, um, you know, I, you know. I think the fashion world is probably the most sexist, the most racist, the most, um, you know, everything's just very subjective and based upon someone else's opinion, you know. A lot of ego, because like the way that the Mm -hmm. fashion—I don't, I've never dabbled in fashion,
0: um, but like when you see it portrayed in movies, like whatever, like *The Devil Wears Prada* or one Mm -hmm. of these movies where they're showcasing like fashion or whatever, they always portray it as like this. Like people treat people like shit, and there's this a ton of ego. Is is that is that kind of what it's really like in your experience, or? Um,
1: I would say it's all the above. Yeah, you know, I mean, let's take let's take a photographer who I am not, um, I'm just using an example. Let's take a photographer, Terry Richardson, right? Everybody in the fashion industry, every magazine he worked for, every client that he shot with knew who Terry Richardson was. They knew what his politics were and by his politics, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They knew if a model agent knew they were selling their model to do a test with Terry Richardson, they know what that meant. I don't think Taylor Richardson ever hid who he was. Yeah. You know, and I think that world made him acceptable and they actually built him. And then later on, they're like, oh, he's a monster. He's not going to work with us anymore. And it's like, wait a minute. You're just figuring that out now? Well, because the money dried up and then they're this like, yeah. Yeah, no, not the money dried up. People started, oh yeah, you're right. The money dried up in terms of advertisers. Mm-hmm people are just like, well, I don't know if we can be in a magazine or we can be associated with Terry Richardson because now all these things have come out about him. Yeah. And I guarantee you every model agent who sent a model to Terry Richardson knew exactly who they were sending him to. Mm-hmm. If you Google the behind the scenes of his Pirelli calendar, mm-hmm. which if you Google like Terry Richardson Pirelli calendar, man, it's crazy. he's stuff. not hiding who he is. Crazy is not the word for it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it, it's, it's, it's one of those industries that I think at the end of the day is, is actually very, very commercialized. Um, And you have a lot of people who are just forcibly trying to be very eccentric and different Mm -hmm. Um, because that, you know, that is their brand is to pivot, you know? And then I think you do have some people who are visionaries who are very creative Um, who truly love love clothes and like are in it for the right reasons. Yeah. But, but I think fashion, like, and that's where I see a lot of photographers exit, meaning like they come into fashion photography and then they exit in fashion photography because I think it's not the photography they got addicted to. It was the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And then when the lifestyle changes, you know, like the New York club scene, man, it's changed. You know, when I, when I was in New York in the late nineties, early two thousands compared to just a couple of years ago, yeah. It was a completely different world. And I think some people are just like, oh, the lifestyle has changed. So this is just a job now I'm going to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, or some people want the the lifestyle of someone else who is in that business. And they're just like, well, this isn't what I thought it was cracked up to be, you know? Or yeah. now, you know, they see, they, they start looking at it in terms of competition, because they're just looking at it in terms of the work. They're not looking at it in terms of their own vision, you know? And and that's the thing about competition, man. It's like, is, is anyone... Is there so much competition out there that someone's stopping you from creating the vision of what you want to create? Yeah, and if if that doesn't exist, then there's no competition except yourself, you know. Yeah, for
0: me, I just want to be able to like at the end of the day be like be like pumped on the photos that are in my portfolio or on my website. Like, yeah, sure, it'd be great to like have some expensive car and make tons of money, but at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. it's just like. Really, like it's just the personal satisfaction of being like, damn, I'm like
1: hyped I made this picture happen. And, like, you know, that's kind of the way I look at it. Oh, man, absolutely, man. The, the, for me, the process, the process unto itself is just so rewarding, you know? Yeah. And uh, speaking of lighting, you mentioned a little bit.
0: Um, anybody looking at your Instagram, you really do love lighting. Um, like, what's your approach to lighting, and is it something that's kind of continually evolving over the course of your career? Are you kind of this tinkering with it all the time. Like, how do you approach like lighting, and when you're kind of working on an assignment and things like that? I guess mm.
1: um, it's kind of like my new dark room. Mm. You know, like the the part that I used to love when I was printing in the dark room like this kind of process of um making this a little oh excuse me you know darkening this up over here lightening this up over here getting getting this here to be a little sharper um you know i i see lighting kind of like a painting you know um and it's, it's for me it's just fun i mean when i shoot digitally i still ask myself sometimes like like, when I was growing up, I used to ask myself, like, man, why does a cheeseburger taste good? Like, why does it taste good? It tastes so good. Why does it taste so good? And sometimes when I'm shooting, I'm just like, how is this thing producing a picture? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, with film, I could get it. But with digital, sometimes I'm still like, this still blows my mind that this thing is capturing light and it's creating that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so when I'm lighting, you know, my process to lighting really is to, to never think that I really got it to always think like, okay, this is what I want to do. Now let me, let me see what changes if I do this, you know? And, and I really want to give back when it comes to lighting. Like I really want to like completely share all of my lighting setups, everything that I do. Cause I've learned it from other people, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not mine. It's it's a a hodgepodge of, you know, being on set with Annie Leibovitz, you know, one time be like, oh, that's how they did that. Or that's how they did this. or yeah. You know, being on set with Mary Ellen Mark and like, oh, that was super simple. Like, I get it. Or, you know, it's, and, you know, seeing other photographers work, even when you've done the lighting for another photographer and sometimes they're like, oh, move the light over there. And in your head, you're kind of like, well, it looks really good where it's at. I don't want to move it. Then you move it and you're like, oh, damn, they saw something I didn't see. You know, that looks really <laughs> good. So it's, you know, for me, lighting is like painting, man. It's like how some people build bird houses, how other people crochet. I like to be in the studio and be like, okay, let's, Let's light this whole thing just bouncing light off of mirrors, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah I, I
0: saw that. You did that. I think it's on your Instagram. You did it. You posted it recently, I think, right? You're this kind of shooting against some
1: years. Yeah, it, up. I'll pull it was it for it was for Adorama. Um, it was, you know, the, yeah, the GFX. Yeah, that whole thing is just lit with mirrors, Mylar, and two Fresnel lenses. Interesting.
0: And that was this kind of an idea that you came up with and this kind of wanted to like toy around with pretty much?
1: Well, so the shoot was for the Fuji GFX 100S. Oh, know? that camera is a beast. It's nasty. The <laughs> camera's know, the camera's no, the, the, the file is amazing, you know? And, you know, they wanted me to do a, a shoot. And I was like, okay, like I'm in the studio. How am I going to show image stabilization? Cause I don't need image stabilization in the studio, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was, and then I was like, maybe I may also want to shoot like a little video with it, which I didn't really get a chance to dive into. So I was like, okay, for video, how am I going to like have this set that's going to be like a cool video? So I was just like, you know what, let me, I I need to use constant light because I also want to show high ISO. So I was like, you know, if I'm shooting strobes, I can't be at 6,400 ISO. That's just never going to work, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, they wanted me to shoot with the 1.7 lens. And I was just like, man, I got to shoot a 6,400 ISO with a 1.7 lens. Like I need to shoot constant light, but I don't want it to make it look average. Like I want to use some like, Home Depot stuff mixed in with like some other Fresnels, you know? And so I'm just using like two, I'm using Nanlite 4 as a 500 and just banging all this light into these mirrors and reflecting it back on the model in order to ultimately demonstrate the features and benefits of this camera, you know, like how, how can I make this? How can I make, how can I show it all? So a lot. Where, it seems
0: like a lot more people are using constant lights with even portraiture. I've been noticing a lot lately. Um, I, people still use strobes, obviously a lot, but I've been noticing more and more um, kind of using constant lights. Is that
1: something you, you kind of enjoy working with? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's. I, I'll be honest with you, and and <clears throat> I do differentiate between the two. I I do like working on strobes more than constant lights because there's just more you can do with strobes. Yeah. Um, but I I really like constant light when I do, it, it just, it feels like I'm just crafting it different. So I'm just looking over like at the, at the screen. Like it, it just feels like, I don't, I like both of them equally to be honest with you. You know, I'm, I'm trying to find the words and ultimately I think I just really like, it, it depends on the right tool to solve the problem, you know, which is like, you know, nowadays you get a lot of people, it's just like, Oh, are you a pro photo person? Are you a Nikon person? Are you a man? It, it, you know, when I was coming up, it was just like, Okay, I got my RZ67. I have my Canon EOS 3. I have my Toyo view camera, little, you know, field view camera. Oh, I love that thing. Yeah, like it, it wasn't about a specific brand. It was like, okay, I need to solve this problem. This is the tool that's gonna do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, okay, back in the day, if we need a super fast flash duration, okay, we're gonna use brawn color on this one. You know, if we needed you know, to get a lot of lights, you know, there's always tons of pro photo and rental houses. So it's like, you get a ton of them. And if you had to travel with them, like you weren't going to have any problems, you know? And so it was always like, okay. Or, you know, like the pro photo tele-zoom reflector. Oh yeah. That's, that's one of my favorite reflectors ever created on the planet, you know? And so it's like, I'll use pro photo just to use that reflector, mm. you know? And so I think that it's like, okay, what's the right tool for the right job? That's the way I look at it. I'm not I'm not brand specific, yeah, you know?
0: Definitely. Um, and in terms of one thing, I'm always curious about, like, you know, style and aesthetic. Um, mm-hmm. Is it something you think a lot? Just like, do you think it's important to have a cohesive style to your work? Or like, how do you view view this kind of, your approach to the style aesthetic and this kind of edi- editing your work, I guess?
1: Man, if I was gonna be honest with you, man, I gave up on trying to have a style. Yeah. You know, my my intention for having a style was to visually separate myself in order to get more attention. And it was always me chasing what other people were doing and just being like, okay, who should I shoot? Like, who should I shoot? You know, do I, do I need a specific style? And ultimately I'm not really chasing that client. I'm a commercial photographer. You come to me on a commercial level and you say, this is what I want. Can you produce this? You know, and I would say ultimately, my process I think is what brings my clients back. Meaning, I got good music. Um, I've gotten good at finding inexpensive but really good catering. Mm. Um, I hire people who really bring a good vibe to set. You set a mood. Yeah, and 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 for me, that's the brand. Like people walk away like, damn, this was the best shoot I ever did. This was easy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, and and that's my process is more what I can speak to than like an image of saying because you know and when I look at the work of up and coming artists, I'm like, all right, you're you're obviously you know like you you've seen a lot of Alex Soul's work and you're you're copying you're you're now want to be Alex Soul right? yeah. now you want to be you want to be Avedon or now you want to be this person like it's it's like I see it mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and I feel like you ultimately I, like I think some people genuinely have a style like like take Kareem Black you know yeah. I think Kareem really has a style that like not only fits his lifestyle but it it allows him to take pictures within it that where it's not like overly obtrusive you know what I'm saying it's like boom mm-hmm. you see a flash go off that's not going to kill you you know like yeah. it, it feels like it fits you know um yeah you're right his
0: work really is like his personality
1: yeah And then some people have a style that's just based on their circumstances, you know? Um, But me, myself, man, I I would say that I have a process, but to say that I have a particular style, I don't even think about that anymore. You know, I mean, some people look at my work and they're like, oh, I could tell that you took that. mm -hmm. Um, But, I, you know, I, I, I don't try to be like, oh, this is this is this makes an ab image. This makes a you know. It's just to anyone could grab your style and run with it, you know?
0: Yeah, I think the the longer you shoot, you're just going to kind of figure out what you're doing. Like, you have more and more images to pull from, and you kind of, this. at least for me, like I kind of, mm-hmm. I learn as I go, and I kind of tinker with it, and it just kind of is what it is for for me. I don't, like, think about yeah. it too much either, I don't think. Yeah, I um, just... I just go, man. You know, I know you're go. I was always surprised, man. I, I don't know how you do it all, man. You're working at Mac. You're doing all these shoots. You're doing the educational stuff.
1: It, it's impressive, man. Uh, I'll be honest. The work is easy. The people are the hard part.
0: Yeah, this organizing and all that. All that.
1: Yeah. The personalities. Yeah. You know, navigating the politics. You know, mm-hmm. negotiating rates. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the the biggest <laughs> job I had this year, it was. I spent more time negotiating what insurance coverage I had to carry yep, versus the actual job, yep. you know, and because, you know, with this COVID thing, liability is huge. Mm-hmm. And so like the client was like, well, how many people need to be on set? And then we gave them that and they're like, well, you need to have at least this many square feet. And it's just like, oh, really? Like, yeah, our legal team said you need at least this many square feet to shoot in. So you need to give us the square footage of wherever you're shooting. Yep and the covid testing and all of that like the the shoot man the shoots horribly easy yeah you know just kind of rolling with those
0: punches and this kind of just not getting frustrated too much and this kind of is what it is and
1: uh, right yeah because when you're on set most of the time if you're with professionals it's like everyone knows what they're doing they're all excited to get the job done it's you know you just go with it you know? and by the time you got to the set ev- that's the one thing about like commercial photography
0: it's like they make it so that they basically make it a lot of times so you can't fail that you have hopefully like and a good job there's a budget for the equipment you need a budget mm-hmm. for the crew you need and everything so by the time you show up on the set hopefully if everything was like produced correctly it's just like you know this making it happen this x's and o's pretty much
1: yeah. Yeah. I think commercial photography is about making sure you have everything you need to nail what the creative is, mm-hmm. but then you also leave an open opportunity for additional creative to happen, you know? And I think that, you know, I think like cre- the creatives of like the Mad Men era, like they think they need to come up with the idea and they need to execute this specific creative. Yep. And I think now, you know, as a creative director myself, I think it's about coaching people through the process so that the creative can keep evolving Mm -hmm. you know and i think that you know on a commercial set it's like okay we want to get this picture of this and it's like boom we knocked that out so quick now where else can we go with it you know and and being able to like keep executing and like evolving it's it's, i don't know if i answered your question or
0: no that makes sense man I bear uh, off a lot, man. Like no, you start, I like it, man. Me you, got, here you, got something here. Say, you got something to say. I appreciate it. Um, one shoot I wanted to ask you about. I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. it. It was the campaign you did for 10 um, yes bags, photo bags. It was 10 ba sumo where you guys yep. like, it was, uh, I, I have it here. I don't know. You send me like your work and your website in progress. I can pull it up if it's okay, but
1: yeah, if, totally. It's it's, it's yeah. This, okay. this current website is like, work I started practice. it and I was like, Shoot, I don't have time for this right now, you know? Yeah. And so like I actually I'm, I'm hoping to dedicate a lot of time to it this weekend, actually.
0: Okay. I'll pull it up because you did this campaign for 10 bar Bags. Yep. And oh, why is it not pull? I'll share the screen. Here we go. Uh I was just kind of curious the story behind it. Cause like with a shoot like this, mm-hmm. It's very playful, it's kind of comedy, and you kind of built some sets. How involved are you within the creative? Are you coming up with like ideas or is it more the art director's um, direction or what was kind of your approach to this
1: campaign? So this shoot here was like a huge breakout shoot for Group. you know? At the time we switched agencies and we were working with this creative director, Alan Shapiro, who's now um, chief marketing officer there. Mm -hmm. And he, he came and brought just a lot of out of the box ideas, you know? and you know we were we were you know he kind of gave a presentation we were going through like all these different mood boards and it was like okay what do we want these bags to represent we want the bags to represent being indestructible you know um and so then it was just like okay how can we show that these bags are indestructible you know what examples can we have that would kind of like resonate within the industry and then other things that are just kind of like we do it in order just to, um, just to be funny. You know what I'm saying? Um, And so in in this one, you know, I played the role of photographer, but I also played the role of like creative producer. And for those who doesn't know what a creative producer is, it's like, you you get high level creative, you know, which is like, okay, we need this sumo wrestler. Inside of you know, doing all these different things and like all these different scenarios, you know. Mm -hmm. But what can we actually pull off? You know, it's like the creative director would be like, "Okay, we need to have him. We need to do a shot of him. Like, where's this? This bag is an outdoor bag. You know, what can we show with him using the bag outdoors?" It's like, okay, we're shooting at the bathhouse studios in the Lower East Side. Um, there's not a lot of nature around there. It's funny. I was, I have his nipples covered up in some of these. Cause I was, I was doing a demo for for on Twitch. Yeah. And on Twitch, you can't show nipples at all. Interesting. So I have to go through and I have to replace all these pictures. Oh, I didn't even notice. Now I didn't notice until you actually mentioned it. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, you know, we need him as a bike messenger. So it's like, okay, do we have him as a bike messenger racing down the street? Or do we have him as a bike messenger, like in the studio, you know? Yeah. And so it was ultimately some of the ideas were mine, but I would say it was really a team. It was myself, it was Peter Waisner, the brand manager for Temba, um, Alan Shapiro's, you know, was kind of the overall creative director who got us to this point. Mm-hmm. But then when it came down to like the actual ideas, you know, it was a collaboration between myself, himself, set design. Um, the sumo wrestler himself yeah you know, he seemed like, like he looking at the photos
0: he seemed like he was maybe i'm wrong but he seemed like pretty collaborative and he he got it he understood
1: what you guys wanted to do yeah man let me you know if i could give people a quick note about production yep there's there's normally what i'm going to call like the the person or animal right mm-hmm. and so like as we're doing this shoot with this sumo wrestler yep. his name is bayamba this is the sumo wrestler that you hire for commercial shoots. You know what I'm saying? Meaning like, no matter, like, you know, when we start, when I started off, it was like, okay, you need to find a sumo wrestler. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you got to find someone who doesn't look too fat. They yeah. can't look too this. They can't look unhealthy. They can't be this, but they need to be genuine. They need to be, you know, and so we're going through the process and, Literally, he's now if you watch commercials, he was in a Subaru commercial. Um, He was in like, you know, he's a sumo wrestler who does like all the commercial jobs, you know. Um, You know, he has different kind of wigs depending on what you're looking for. You know, he has the robe like he has his wardrobe, like everything's dialed in ready to go.
0: Well, this is facial expressions because he has so many different looks and they're very like, obviously the campaign is very like comedic driven. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a hard thing to do. He's really, he's acting in these pictures. It's he's, he's bringing a different face, different reaction to like every setup pretty much.
1: Yeah. But, but this was a, you know, this was, this is a lot. This was a a real dance between wardrobe design, between creative between set design, you know, I mean, this, this was a, this was a super fun shoot. He, he, and you know, crazy. He can do a full split and touch his forehead to the ground. <laughs> Damn, flexible, unbelievable athlete, man. He yanked me up like a child.
0: <laughs> I yeah. and I like the quote. I like to quote you. Put on you put some quotes on your website. You put uh, they were twelve hour days that felt like they went by in two hours because we had so much fun. Which uh, that's
1: that's a good shoot right there. And below, if that video that's right below it is like a time lapse of like the whole the whole shoot. Yep. You know, and it was I mean, literally like all that stuff was on standby. And it was like, like we want to build a forest, you know, and buying some of those plants in New York City. And I'm just talking as we say, like some of those plants in New York City, they want like $225 a plant. Damn. You know, we went to Home Depot. Yep. we got those plants for like 20 bucks. Damn. You know, like the mountain bike, the GoPro stuff, the you know, asking who had this, and then we bring it to set, you know? Yes, yeah. yeah, make it happen. Um, yeah. It was a, it was an amazing, it was an amazing day. You know, That's awesome, man. Well, I guess to wrap up, like,
0: I guess what's, what's next for, for, for you, man? Like what's kind of got you inspired right now and like anything you're kind of hoping to work on moving forward, I guess. I mean, man, I definitely want
1: to start teaching more. Okay. I mean, for me, it, it really, it it's really, you know, there was a photographer I was talking to. I'm not going to say who they were a while ago and you know, they have a, a very successful career you know mm-hmm. something anyone would want and they were just like man i would love to teach okay you know and you know when i think about everything that i get excited like you know sometimes if i get a big shoot i still get nervous on some big shoots and it's just kind of like the logistics and you're thinking about the little stuff like you're like man i hope this person doesn't get sick mm-hmm. or i hope this doesn't happen or like man i hope this location doesn't get shut down because of covid or i hope this and like you're you're not really as excited until like the morning of where it's just like, Oh yeah, finally all this worked out. But man, I feel like teaching, I feel like I'm always excited to teach. Yeah. You know, I do this show for Adorama on Twitch on Tuesday nights. And let me tell you, when I first started, I was like, you know, they were like, yeah, we want this to be a two hour show. And I was like, two hours. <laughs> what the hell I'm going to talk about for two hours, you know? <laughs> and the first three I would say it was really difficult and I was putting together like these lesson plans and it was like okay this is step one mm-hmm. this is step two this is step three you know and they were it was more of me like lecturing than like teaching mm-hmm. you know uh, meaning I wasn't learning anything I was just like you know, I think a good teacher's you know you're learning and teaching at the same time you know And then I I talked to a chat room. I was like, man, why is everybody silent? And they're like, no, keep going. We're listening. Yeah. And I was like, well, this may be good for you. This is horrible for me. Like (laughs) I'm in this quiet room, you know, retouching off someone's pimple, talking into a microphone, thinking people are listening. Like this is horrible. And so now like, you know, I incorporate like little like game show things and questions and trivia and, and mix in like the education and it's, it's, it's amazing. Maybe it's like interactive. Yeah. And, and I'm learning a lot. So, and they're learning a lot. So it's, you know, I would say teaching, man, like I think teaching is a jam, you know? Yeah. Because you're, 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 you're interacting with people that are
0: excited about photography and want to learn. Whereas like, you know, I mean, some people can get jaded in this business and they kind of get burnt out and they can lose their passion for why they started it. So teaching mm-hmm. seems like pretty fun because you're, you're dealing with people that either are just starting out or like still really enthusiastic about the craft and want to learn about it.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that you always have to, you know, you have to watch out and not get in your own way and not let people ultimately put you in such a box that you are always trying to fit inside someone else's box, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like, like even early on being an African-American photographer, you know, people will look at your book and they'll like, ah, oh, there's too many black people here, you know, like you got to shoot some white people. And, you know, you talk to your, your photographer friends who are white and you're like, they can have a book full of whatever. and No one's even looking at race.
0: That's crazy.
1: You know? And so it's a, it's an industry. As soon as you work in a creative industry, people, feel like it's automatically acceptable to bring in their bias. Mm -hmm. And when you're working in marketing, which makes it even worse, and you know, the two kind of go hand in hand, it's like, and we can justify our point based upon our target market. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. And so that makes it even twice as worse because oftentimes marketers are wrong. You know, not oftentimes, I'm I'm saying that that's a little mean, Mm -hmm. But, but people can be wrong in terms of what a target market wants they can only know what a target market reacted to, you know, meaning like when they came out with like that Old Spice commercial that was really, really popular, you know, did they know it was going to be like that good? And then after they did that, they say, oh, this market really responds to this. When originally it probably started off as a crazy idea Mm -hmm. or the Dollar Shave Club commercial, you know, it started out like, or, or even live broadcast, like, and not to take up too much of your time. I, you know, I, no, I like did Friday. I got, like, I got, all I got is time, man. <laughs> when, when, um, when the first live thing came on, I can't remember what it was. It was, um, well, when you say live, broadcast, like on TV. No, on the internet. Oh. Like I remember the first time, the first time you could go live on the internet and like bring someone like into your studio Okay, and I remember like, like Diddy did a a live broadcast, like in his studio creating a beat. Mm-hmm. And what was the name of the service? It was like the first live streaming service. Oh man, I'm blanking on it too. But you know what I'm talking about? Like it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. um, man, I could actually call, I could call someone who would know. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> but, right. but. It we can was, look it up. It was huge. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh my goodness, he's live. And I remember he had like 5 million people and like it shut the service down and they had to upgrade their servers and they brought in all this new equipment in order to like get a better stream, you know? Yeah. Live, was it live? Ustream. Ustream was.
0: Yeah, it? dude. I, you, I used to go on Ustream
1: all the time. Yeah, that's what it is. Ustream was this big deal. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, now you can be live anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, now you have Twitch, the largest streaming broadcast thing in the world, and no one even knows about it because it's like video gamers are the ones who are on it. Well, now you got time.
0: Club Clubhouse is the new one that's crazy popular right now. Had, we should have did this whole
1: thing on Clubhouse. That'd have been fun. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, <laughs> I'm podcast. I'm podcast <laughs> no, you check know me mean. out on have... Spotify, YouTube. <laughs> no, let people Yeah, <laughs> Clubhouse is. I mean, I haven't been on a Clubhouse that I found good yet. Yeah, and I'm always listening, like do they know I'm here? But <laughs> If I raise my hand, like, do I have to say something like prophetic or that's going to be like amazing or, you know? Yeah. Like it's, you should do a clubhouse one night, night man. Like invite people who've yeah. been on your show and just do like a, a club. just see how it works. Yeah. Clubhouse. Maybe I will do that. Hey, see,
0: you're smart, man. I, I was doing like live ones on zoom, but not that many people were calling in because I think they were kind of shy because I was trying to get people to this kind of talk or whatever. I had people call in. Um mm-hmm. but uh yeah, that maybe it would be a good idea. But uh I guess what, what was I guess we're going back we we're talking about
1: Ustream. Um mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. It was huge back in the day. We we're talking you know that was a uh, I I don't know how we got there. Yeah. But it was like that was like a how did we get to Ustream? It's going to oh. be weird cuz we you're going to watch this again and like damn that's how we got to Ustream. <laughs> you know like <laughs> it's alright man. Yeah. Well uh yeah. App, man
0: i really appreciate you taking the time dude i like i said man i, I got a lot of respect for everything you do and
1: everything you, you give a lot back to the photo community so i can't thank you enough for uh taking the time to do this man, man anytime thank you man and thank you for having this show man it's an unbelievable platform and i love the fact you're bringing on photographers who are like working and doing this every day it's not about like the the influencer crowd and not knocking any influencers but it's not about people telling people what they want to hear mm-hmm. it's about people telling like their real world experiences and i think that's like you know you're building a, a tree with some like really juicy fruit man you
0: know <laughs> i'm trying man i was trying to navigate this crazy business myself so i i appreciate everyone coming on to talk man but uh thank you so much anytime brother so there you have it that was the say interview. Uh, Just want to thank Ab so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It's a real pleasure talking to him about everything he's done within the photo business, which is a lot, Um, so can't thank him enough. Uh, Definitely go check out Ab's website at abseasay.com, as well as definitely go follow him on Instagram at abseasay underscore photo. I'll put all the links in the descriptions, uh, but definitely go check out some more of his work. He's got some really cool stuff up there, and he's always uh, working on interesting projects, so can't thank him enough. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as the Photo Banter YouTube page. Um, So definitely go hit the subscribe button over on our YouTube page. It would be much appreciated. And as always, thanks so much for listening and take care.